Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey. Let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea. A new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. Have I become too skeptical? For years, the masses have called people who looked past the surface of corporate media headlines and GovCorp history conspiracy theorists or paranoid lunatics. Never mind the fact that authors and researchers have been shoveling out loads of alternative information from firsthand accounts and official documents for ages on everything from Pearl Harbor to 9-11. They say the winners write the history, and that seems to be the case as far as mainstream history. But thank God for those curious minds who decided to go the extra mile in their quest for the truth. You know, it's election time, less than two weeks away, and it's always the maximum peak of the political divide. It's the season where all the propaganda and psychological manipulation from the modern era, and especially the previous four years, has taken hold in the hearts and minds of the public. It's the time when even your allegedly libertarian, Ron Swanson-like uncle has chosen a side, dug his boot heels in, and gone deep into a tribal state. For someone disgusted with the two-party system, it's entertaining, cringeworthy, sad, and maddening at the same time. You get to witness firsthand, thanks to social media, the effects the partisan propaganda has had on your fellow citizens. It's always the exact same, people behaving as if they get out of bed in the morning with their politicians. Nary a skeptical word may be uttered about them at this time, lest you be labeled a fundamentalist from the opposition party. It must be fulfilling for political strategists and social psychologists to watch so many do exactly as directed and predicted, and it must surely aid them in their further research into nudge theory and psychological manipulation. At this point, after watching people and the way they've behaved, you realize policies or the past history of these candidates is all but irrelevant. The only thing that matters now is winning. Winning at all costs. But is it ever really winning to turn your back on your principles just because the candidate you chose didn't fit them? Wouldn't it be better to hold out for a candidate that did have your beliefs and your principles? But no, the lesser of two evils always wins out. You must save yourself from the boogeyman opposition candidate, right? Even though your party has repeatedly dropped the ball and many of the things your enemies wanted to happen, happened. And they happen regardless of who is in the White House. So after watching people on social media the last couple of days, I asked myself, have I become too skeptical? I mean... I'm in the minority when it comes to politics 
because most people are either staunch liberals, whatever that means, or staunch conservatives, whatever that means. They're either hard left or hard right. So if you're calling out corruption, bad policies, or just the fact that there is a real lacking of credible ideas in either camp, then you are an enemy of both sides. I look back at the modern history of Republicans, and despite the rhetoric, it's bigger government, unconstitutional wars, more debt, more infringements on our rights, and damn near every time they got in charge, they dragged their heels, they snuck pork barrel and special interest spending in bills like crazy, and they overall fumbled the conservative play nearly every single instance. And I would just suggest, if you don't believe me, go back and look at the spending. Look at the offices and agencies that have been created under Republican administrations. Then you look at the Democrats. Well, I've said this many times. They have some legitimate gripes, but their fix is always a bigger bureaucracy, a bigger government, more government. And so they have nothing for me. Their idea, their goal is to get as many people dependent as possible on them. And that has nothing to do with freedom. Dependence is the antithesis of liberty. I mean, look at who they've thrown at us in the modern era for presidential candidates and VP candidates. Let's look at Al Gore. Maybe he did have the election stolen from him. I wouldn't doubt it. But who was he? Well, he was already a rich guy, came from a rich family. They made a lot of money on oil. He hooks up eventually with Maurice Strong, another oil man, turned globalist for the UN and the Club of Rome. They come up with these carbon tax credits and become even more wealthy. That's not a liberal. That has nothing to do with liberalism when you are making billions on carbon tax credits. It's a scam. You look at John Kerry, Mr. I'm supposed to be anti-war from his Vietnam days where he testified of the horrors he had seen in Vietnam, which may very well have been true. But then, after losing the presidency, he ends up a while later getting the Secretary of State gig under Barack Obama, and the whole time constantly pushes for war with Syria and Iran. Some liberal there, some anti-war liberal there. And one of the richest men to ever run, as his wife, was the owner of Heinz. So, and not to mention he was a Yale man, another rich guy, a skull and bones guy. His VP pick that year, John Edwards, the second coming of Bill Clinton. I mean, go back and watch some of his speeches. It will give you the douche chills. He tries to pull that Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, Southern gentleman thing. And, well, you know, he ends up cheating on his wife who had terminal cancer and having a and having a child with his mistress. And yes, his wife did pass away. Very sad and just disgusting. Howard Dean telling us time and time again how he's going to make health care more affordable. Well, well, he lost because of this stupid scream he made on the campaign trail that really wouldn't have amounted to anything in these days and times. But anyway, Mr. I'm for the little guy, went on to be a big pharma lobbyist. It's just ridiculous the kind of crap they throw at us. And of course, Obama was supposed to be the, the great savior, you know, the great liberal, one of the biggest warmongers to ever set foot in office, right up there with George W. Bush. Everything that the left, the progressives, hated Eight years about George W., well, nearly everything, Obama was that. The reason they supposedly hated him the most was because of the wars in 
Iraq and Afghanistan. And Obama, of course, continued those and started several more with Libya, Yemen, and others. He even locked up journalists under the, I think it was the Sedition Act. I could be wrong about that, but uh, one of the acts that uh, allowed him to do that. And then, of course, we know about his drone killing program. We know that WikiLeaks and even the Young Turks reported that Citibank chose his first administration. They handpicked them. Lots and lots of bankers in that party, the party that was supposed to be against all of that. So he was nearly everything they hated except for he was a globalist. And of course, Joe, Joe Biden. In government for 40-some-odd years, nearly 50, a big douchebag, He had been caught plagiarizing various world leaders in speeches, even claimed that he graduated at the top of his class when he ran in the late 80s, I believe it was, or maybe early 90s. And then it was found out that, no, that was a lie, too. I mean, this guy has been a used car salesman for decades, and I wouldn't put anything past the guy. These people have no morals, and they're for sale to the highest bidder. I know I'm skipping around, but you have to go back to the Clintons and all their shenanigans and their, the Clinton kill list and all the shady people that have been involved with them over the years. And yes, Bill Clinton is known best for cheating on his wife numerous times and getting caught, but he doesn't get credit for the war in Kosovo and some other really bad things he did. And people also forget that he signed the Iraq Liberation Act, allowing for George W. Bush to go into Iraq before he left office. And you look at what has become of the Clintons since, of course, Hillary. So many bad connections there. The Clinton Foundation taking money from governments while she is working in government just terrible. Um, you look at the Uranium One deal with Russia, and then Russia gives the Clinton Foundation a huge donation. The Saudis selling weapons to the Saudis, and then, whoa, lo and behold, they give a huge donation to the Clinton Foundation. These people have no morals. They will tell you anything to get what they want and to do what they need to do for the people that they are getting paid by. So it's just been one shady character after another, one lie after another. And people, you know, they wonder why I never got on the Trump train either. And I've told this story many times, and forgive me if you're listening and shaking your head. I understand that it gets old, but there's always new listeners, and especially because it is election time. So I have a lot of supposed friends that stopped speaking to me because of my opposition to Trump, and I just never fell for it. By the time he ran this last time, I had already caught on to the left-right paradigm, the BS that we had seen and went through. You know, I had witnessed the Ron Paul revolution even though I was late coming into it. But after I started watching him and researching his statements and his history— Trump seemed like just another character to me. I mean, he never claimed to be a constitutionalist or a principled libertarian type with tried and true ideas of individual liberty. He was talking about censoring the Internet and even how the constitutional process gets in the way of the executive branch. And it was clear to me that he was just playing along to a specific audience who had been lacking in a charismatic leader for some time, And they loved the way he talked to the Democrats and the press, which I totally get. He was different in his approach, and they said he was not a politician. Although I would argue that once you start running as a candidate, you immediately become a politician. And he had dealt with politicians his whole life. People forget how shady New York is. It's one of the most crime-ridden, and I'm talking about organized crime, places in the world. They pick these guys out of New York, out of Chicago, out of some of the seediest 
places that have legacies and and have a history of politicians getting caught doing bad things. Anyway, I just never fell for it. And uh, I'd witnessed the awful mess George W. had left us in, you know. They said he was conservative as well, like his father. Yeah, right. You see all these unconservative policies that were implemented under him, so bad on so many levels, and there was quite a bit of bipartisan authoritarian policies that were implemented under him as well. Let's not forget that not only is Joe Biden famous for the crime bill that locked up so many young black men, but he loves to claim, again, that he wrote the Patriot Act, which is very unpatriotic. I had seen McCain pushed hard, even though he wasn't a conservative. He wasn't even well-liked by conservatives. But they eventually got behind him 100%, and you had to vote for him, right? How I kind of look at it in retrospect is George W., he's a real conservative like his father. You got to vote for him. Then there was McCain. McCain is a real patriot and a conservative. Voice cracks. You got to vote for him. Then Romney, which nobody liked, had been a Democrat. Romney's a real conservative. You got to vote for him. I mean, it really means nothing because whoever the candidate is, the party people will eventually convince themselves to get 100% behind them. It doesn't matter what their record is. And especially if that candidate is telling them what they want to hear, which they all do, right? I mean, you got to think that traditionally, neither side willingly gave up their rights when it was the opposition party pushing the legislation. It's most often happened when their own parties were in charge and under the guise of fighting an enemy, whether it was fighting that opposition party or fighting a foreign enemy. We get further and further away from the nation's founding, from the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. People still call themselves conservatives. They barely have anything left to be conservative about. I mean, they've turned their backs on nearly everything but abortion. It's basically two parties running against the other. It's not two parties of principled ideas. The magic of the two-party system is kind of like neither of the two parties are the same groups they were even 20 years ago, and the partiers don't even realize it. Liberals that promote censorship, war, and banning of whatever they don't like. Conservatives that promote spending, debt, and presidents who support gun laws. Both parties push domestic spying and now even tracking of citizens under C-19. What the hell's going on? That's not conservative or liberal. And I wonder how conservatives feel about the military giving out C-19 vaccines like the president keeps mentioning. If that had been Obama saying that, they would have been going apeshit, and rightly so. What is going on with people? Is there a spell over the nation and over the world? Well, it seems like a lot of other countries are really pushing back. I actually saw on Haaretz.com, which is an Israeli news site, there's protests. A lot of people there do not like Netanyahu. They're protesting him. The guy, like I always like to mention, went to high school in Philly. I've always been suspect of this guy. But anyway... Long story short, there was a protest, and this lady, probably about my age, was holding a huge picture of Thomas Jefferson in downtown Israel, protesting Netanyahu. Of course, you don't see much about that in the mainstream corporate media here. It's just amazing what's happening to the country. People are trusting the plan via Q, but in reality, they are getting red flag laws, bump stock bans, debt, and a precursor to the universal basic income, which is these huge stimulus bills. 
not to mention unconstitutional lockdowns here, there, and everywhere. Now, that doesn't mean that Trump is this all-evil person or anything like that. I think people, because, as I've mentioned before, they can only see in black and white good versus evil, and of course they think their side is always good and the other side is always evil, they can't face the facts that it might be, yeah, Trump may not be a New World Order globalist, it doesn't seem like he is because they hate him, yet he's pushing some globalist policies. He's had a lot of globalists in his administration. He kind of flips back and forth on different things. But it may just be that he is... I mean, there's more than two options. You don't just have to be a globalist or a non-globalist. There's a bunch of other options. That doesn't mean that they're good options. That doesn't mean you're representative just because he's not a quote-unquote globalist means that he's a good guy or wants what's best for the country. I mean, they come up with these slogans. Forward. I'm with her. Make America great again. Hope and change. They really don't mean anything. They're vague. They, they don't explain things. People listen to the slogans and the political rhetoric much closer than they watch what actually happens, what actually is implemented. So that's one of our fatal flaws, big time. I mean, there's so many. Everything is so emotional now, so tribalistic. It's, it's just crazy. But I realized that when Trump was running, the Republicans had a lacking in leadership, especially a charismatic leader who could talk to them and tell them what they wanted to hear. I mean, they just went through Bush W., McCain, and Romney. And those guys had no charisma. I mean, they really couldn't talk well. They didn't know how to relate to people. They're robotic. It was just, um, it was pathetic. So, of course, they were hankering to be led. And, you know, Trump is different in his approach. So you even go back to Ronnie Reagan's legacy, which was mostly BS. I mean, he was another big government mouthpiece who provided great lip service. I mean, he had great speeches, but he made the government bigger. There was Iran-Contra. He didn't do some of the things he promised to do. And he was mostly talk. It's come out now that one of his favorite people, one of his favorite writers was Manly P. Hall. He was inducted as an honorary Scottish Rite Freemason. You just have to wonder. You have to wonder about these people. So, really, I feel guilty sometimes because I... I feel like I've strayed away from some of my old friends and when I used to be a conservative. And then I look and realize I'm standing up for the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, less government, no infringements on our Second Amendment. And these guys are really just defending the president. They're caught up in the MAGA moment. And I don't know if it's because they're so desperate for a leader. They need a father figure. They're not very confident in themselves, whatever it might be. They believe that there's only Democrat, Republican, and they don't believe that there's any other way. They still see being a conservative, a modern conservative, patriotic, even though they've taken, well, they've turned their backs on nearly everything that was their principles. So every time I begin to feel that I have become too skeptical, I look at the policies that have been implemented rather than the campaign slogans and I quickly realize that I am correct. I'm on the correct path. I guess in a way I have become post-political. I still have interests in politics, but I don't see any hope that our politicians are going to fix the problems. They are part of the beast system itself and the beast is not going to fix the beast. He's not going to chain himself up. So, in hindsight, I made a lot of mistakes by supporting Republicans and becoming tribal 
when I should have been, like I am right now, judging people on their policies rather than what they say or claim to be, or instead of going with one of the two accepted political fashions, which is what we have in mainstream politics today, two political fashions, with a lot of people trying to capitalize on either side to make their money. There's a lot more money in MAGA and being a run-of-the-mill liberal than there is being an independent or a libertarian. So I ask myself, have I become too skeptical? And the answer is absolutely not. I think we should hold both sides accountable, stop voting for the lesser of two evils because we're still voting for evil when we do that, and turn things back to small government, less debt, and restore the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Although I know that's not going to happen, and I know that we are headed for globalism. No, we can go full speed ahead with Kamala and Joe, or we can take the scenic route with Trump. It's going to be a bumpy ride either way. But remember, to make America great again would mean going back to its founding principles, and Trump isn't doing that. And so, great again, great again for whom? For Jared Kushner? For BlackRock? For certain cronies? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Conservative principles are not being adhered to, and we're not headed down the road that made this country what it once was. And with that, I want to say thank you guys for taking the time to listen. I just wanted to give you a little something extra because I know the elections are coming up. This was on my mind. I hope that you've taken the time to listen to the last show on Jack Parsons, the Libertarian. You know, it was just a little something that uh, I wanted to put out there because I thought it was interesting. And it was some of the things he said were pretty darn great, even though he's a super creepy figure from history as far as the Babylon working and his occult side. But, you know, pretty solid stuff on the government and the way it should run. Anyway, be sure and stop by my friend's website and his business. He makes CBD products. I've known this guy for 30 years, one of my best friends in the world. He doesn't pay me. This is just to help out a small business and a good friend. Hireperspective.net. Check them out. And also check out Marble Springs Studio on Instagram. It's Marble Springs Studio. It's mine and my wife's side gig. She designs this beautiful wooden jewelry. She makes it beautiful, puts all the pretty stuff on it. And then I put the screws, the hooks, and the necklaces on. I put the backs on the earrings. I make the cards. We have stamps. We cut out the cards, put the stamps on. Everything's handmade, different types of wood, and it's very light. So if you guys are looking to buy your lady or someone who is a lady in your family, or your life, and you want something different, there's no two pieces alike. So check out Marble Springs Studio on Instagram. And with that, cheers and blessings to you all. Good night. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. This is the world you are graduating into. This is what I want to talk about today with you for a few minutes. I believe we, and particularly you, your class, has an incredible window of opportunity to lead in shaping a new world order for the 21st century. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so i learned about roaches i learned about kids jumping on my lap 
And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. And so, folks, where I come from, you don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other by... It's a good question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a line dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're... you're now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Not that they don't want to help. They don't want. They don't know quite what to do. Play the radio. Make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear. Work. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I just spoke at a at Dartmouth on healthcare. At, at the, the medical, medical school, school, or not, I, I guess, guess I wasn't actually on the campus, campus but the people from the medical school were at the, I want to be clear, I'm not going nuts, I'm not sure whether it's a medical school or where the hell I spoke, but it was on the campus. Because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. He's saying that it was President, my boss, it was his fault. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. President Biden, if elected, if elected, you would turn 82 at the end of your first term. You'd be the oldest president in American history. Are like you Winston willing Churchill? Are you willing to commit American history? American history. Yes. Mr. Vice President, thank you. Thanks for your time. Please come back in less than 13 years, sir. All right, Chuck, thank you very much. Uh, all right, uh, it's Chris, I but mean, anyway. Chris. I just did Chris. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I just did Chuck. I tell you what, man, these are back to back. Anyway, no, it's I don't okay. know how you do it early in the morning. They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing. By the way, it's my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is a, oh, you switched on me. This is my wife, this is my sister. They switched on me. Would you or would you not rejoin the TPP, yes or no? I would not rejoin the TTP as it was initially put forward. Well, folks, eliminate one tax loophole out of a trillion six hundred billion worth, for, uh, a trillion four hundred billion worth. Money, part of this campaign, pick up your phones. Pick up your phones. Now, send a text to the words united to the number 30330. You got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. They say a wall is medieval. Well, so is a wheel. A wheel is older than a wall. Although she does have a very nice figure. I've said that if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Oh, it's so weird. I went to an Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. We now have a gun on every table. We're ready to start shooting. June of 1775, the Continental Congress created a unified army. Our army manned the airport. It ran the ramparts. It took over the airports. The kidney has a very special place in the heart. It's an incredible thing. You know what uranium is, right? This thing called nuclear weapons and other things, like lots of things are done with uranium, including some bad things. And then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? I don't care how sick you are. I don't care if you just came back from the doctor and he gave you the worst possible prognosis, meaning it's over. Hang out till November 8th. Get out and vote. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the 
investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. The Mueller report, I wish, covered the oranges, how it started. In the failing New York Times by an anomalous, really an anomalous, gutless coward. You just look. This is the very definition of totalitarianism. Shield and shelter, criminal. Look, look, wait. They sacrifice every day for the furniture and future of their children. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. You remember this? Do you remember? You came for, I mean, look, from wherever you came from. You've really uh, put a big investment in our country. We appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. Mike Bolton, as you know, is in Russia. Mike Pound. Justice. Anthony. You know who I'm talking about. Dickinson. Hologic and Sephahide rethink old assumptions and open our hearts and minds to possible and possibilities based on the core principles of fairness and reciprocity. And God bless the United States. Allow due process so no one's rights are trampled, but, but the ability to go to court obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but any any weapons in the position or of that individual. Or take the firearms first and then go to court, because that's another system, because a lot of times, by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures. Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of firearms. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process second. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. It's an archaic system. You look at the rules of the Senate, even the rules of the House, but the rules of the Senate and some of the things you have to go through, it's, it's really a bad thing for the country, in my opinion. They are archaic rules. And maybe at some point we're going to have to take those rules on because for the good of the nation things are going to have to be different you can't go through a process like this you say that eminent domain is wonderful and, and you talk i don't say wonderful i say eminent domain is something you need eminent domain is an un it's it's really it's, it, people don't understand it they really don't you can't have roads you can't have highways you can't do anything. I don't love it, I don't like it, but it's a necessary thing. You won't have sewage systems, you won't have anything. You won't have towns. You need eminent domain or you don't have a country. When eminent domain is used on somebody's property, that person gets a fortune. They get at least fair market value, and if they're smart, they'll get two or three times the value of their property. We are going to need uh, a little eminent domain to get that wall built, just so you understand. You know, you need eminent domain. You have to take certain areas, okay? Hate to tell you. I think it's a process that's very necessary, but I think it's fair. But that could hold, couldn't that hold up your wall? No, it's not going to hold it up because under the military version of eminent domain and under actually Homeland Security, we can do it before we even start. Eminent domain is something that has to be used, usually you would say for anything that's long, like a road, like a pipeline, or like a wall or a fence. Even call centers, even call centers was rushed overseas in the hundreds of thousands. How many times you get the call? I'd like to talk to you about your credit card. They're gonna put you all back in chains. I think the two-party system, although my Democratic colleagues don't like me saying this, I think the two-party system is good for the South and good for the Negro, good for the black in the South. Um, and uh, uh, other than the fact that they still call me boy, I don't think they've, I think they've changed their mind. <laughs> 30 seconds or less, what kind of a chance would a Northeastern liberal like Joe Biden stand uh, in the South if you were running in Democratic primaries against Southerners like Mark Warner and uh, John Edwards? Better than anybody else and you don't know my state my state was a slave state my state is a border state my state is the eighth largest black population in the country my state is anything from a northeast liberal state it's not the first sort of mainstream african-american yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy i mean it's that's a storybook man
My son is attorney general a year in Iraq, came back, and that's one of the things that he finds is was most in need when he was over there in Iraq for a year. People would come to him and talk about what was happening to them at home in terms of foreclosures, in terms of bad loans that were being, I mean, these Shylocks who took advantage of uh, of these women and men. I had spent years writing what became known as the Biden crime bill. The Biden crime bill. The Biden crime bill. Democrats right now, especially African Americans, have really looked back on the 1994 crime bill um, not very fondly. Hillary Clinton herself has come out against it even though her husband signed it into law. Well, the author of that crime bill was Joe Biden. The Biden crime bill. The Biden crime bill. Biden's 1994 crime bill, while implementing sweeping gun control, also helped fuel mass incarceration with financial incentives to keep people behind bars. The Biden crime bill. The Biden crime bill. The Biden crime bill is before us. Calls for the death penalty for 40, 51 offenses. A wag in the newspaper recently wrote that something to the effect that Biden has made it a death penalty offense for everything but jaywalking. Biden crime bill. Biden crime bill. The Biden hatch crime bill. As it becomes law, God willing, I hope that we will have ended once and for all this notion that is a hangover from the 60s that somehow Democrats are weak on crime and Democratic presidents are weak on crime and Republicans are tough on crime. The truth is every major crime bill since 1976 that's come out of this Congress, every minor crime bill has had the name of the Democratic senator from the state of Delaware, Joe Biden, on that bill. I like the idea they keep in jail longer. I'm the guy that wrote the bill requiring federal judges to keep people in jail 100% of the time for which they're sentenced, and the notable exceptions only 85%. So I'm all for tougher enforcement. We wrote the statute saying burning the flag in and of itself is a crime, period. Boom. We changed the law so that if you are arrested and you are a drug dealer under our forfeiture statutes, you can, the government can, take everything you own, everything from your car to your house, your bank account, not merely what they confiscate in terms of the dollars from the transaction that you just got caught engaging in. They can take everything. We have laws in the last several years where we don't allow judges' discretion to sentence people. Flat time sentencing. You get caught, you go to jail. We've gone from there all the way up to saying, under the leadership of Senator Thurman, and I'd like to suggest that I take some small credit for it myself as well, and others, the presiding officer, that there is now a death penalty. And we passed it a couple years ago. If you are a major drug dealer involved in the trafficking of drugs and murder results in your activities, you go to death. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Wife Gladys, the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university. My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things, and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now, that's a little too much, because, as you point out, what's behind the words? What's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been that it's just a surface. I should have said... To paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge. 
that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. It cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Joseph Biden admitted today that he committed plagiarism when he was in law school. He said it was a mistake, but that it was unintentional. He quoted five pages of someone else's work without proper citation. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. He was given an F. So ladies and gentlemen, I've been dumb. To the political community in Washington, it all seems of a piece. Plagiarism at law school, plagiarism on the stump. The great communicator, strike that. The great imitator. You don't steal verbatim, uh, or when you do, as he did 99% of the time, you give credit. Biden's critics say he sells himself as a man whose words and visions can inspire a new generation in politics. But if the thoughts, phrases, and visions really belong to others, it's a form of false advertising. Is it a wise idea, though, to take something that personal, anyway, from another politician and try and appropriate it to your own campaign? I think it was a stupid thing to uh, appropriate uh, material that was really very personal that was someone else's. Most people didn't know who he was. You know, Joe Biden, Biden and now they're going to say, oh yeah, he's the guy who plagiarized. That's a lot their of people. first. Politically, that's devastating. These clips are devastating. He looks like a Joe Biden wind-up doll with somebody else's words coming out. If they're going to do things that are stupid as well as immoral, then they're probably too dumb to have the job of president. The voters are going to have to decide whether he was dishonest or dumb. Senator Joseph Biden may have more explaining to do. The new questions stem from with taped remarks of, of Biden States. during an April campaign appearance in New Hampshire. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Joe Biden was victimized by the truth. Bye-bye, Biden. He may not know it yet, but I think this is very going to be very difficult for him to recover. Is Joe Biden dead meat, yes or no? I think so. Bob? Terminal condition. Terminal. Eleanor. Yes, unless he comes in third in Iowa. <laughs> Morton. Dying. I say dead. We'll be right back. And I, I don't remember what I said to my on-air partner, Pat. We were talking about it, and I said, you know what? How fast did the Patriot Act? How did they write that? How many pages was that? I never even thought, you know, this is in the innocent days. Who wrote the Patriot Act? Because we know who wrote the Stimulus uh, uh, Act, and that was the Apollo Alliance. We looked it up. Does anybody here in the audience know who wrote the Patriot Act or when it was written? This will blow your mind. It was written in 1995. 1995, including the wiretapping and everything else. America, you know who wrote it? One of the biggest union guys of them all, Joe Biden. But in a nutshell, Joe Biden uh, in 1995 wrote this uh, legislation, which basically is, in a nutshell, the Patriot Act. They reworded it, they rearranged some of the paragraphs, but it's pretty much almost verbatim uh, the language that is in the Patriot Act. And so it existed some seven years before 9 11. Patriot Act. Now we're all screwed. There's nothing to do. Joe Biden works with segregationists. Now we're all screwed. There's nothing to do. We're all screwed. 
Change your way. 